Ten-man Celtic go five clear at the top of the table, even if only temporarily, after an eventful afternoon at Livingston. This is Tino and Paddy with the final whistle show. Paddy, where do you start with that one? All good in the end, but uh, <laughs> a hell of an afternoon. I think so. I, th- I think uh, I, d- I definitely had a great result. And, and I actually would say a really, really strong performance, probably our strongest performance this season, in my opinion. You know, I think that you could see that they were just a little bit leggy in the first five, ten minutes. They kind of gauged what they were coming up against. That surface was, it just gets worse and worse. It looked really thin today. Um, and I just thought that they they just acclimatised to what they were up against. I thought they'd done really, really well and, and really, really happy with the performance overall. Yeah, definitely. And Celtic had to dig it out. There was obviously couple of moments went against us and we'll get to that but in terms of that surface it's just in use round the clock I believe you know there's there's kids play on it local teams all that kind of stuff and it's a little wonder that you know every time we take to it it's a wee bit worse than what it was before and I actually think it played a part in the sending off it was a sending off by the way and we'll, we'll cover it but I think it's it's played its role there and then some um what we'll do we'll, we'll crack on with the lineup as, lineup as always uh James Forrest being the the obvious one to talk about um somebody noted when Scott Bain came on Obviously, there was a shuffle in the pack when the sending off happened. Scott Bain coming on from James Forrest, you could be excused for thinking you're in some sort of alternative universe from some time ago. But by the by, what was your thoughts generally uh, on the 11 he went with, particularly for including Forrest? I was happy with that because I kind of think that um, these games, especially see if you go there and you have a bad result, I'd rather someone like James Forrest playing in that that's, that can take it on the chin than some of our new players that, you know, we look at the likes of Yang, or you look at the likes of Palmer coming in, it's maybe just, they, they don't need that, they don't need that that confidence knock so early in the career, so I think it made sense, a lot of jaded looking players from the other day as well um, by the end of the 90 minutes in Rotterdam, and no wonder considering playing with, with nine men for a, for a period of time, so James Forrest for me made sense, um, it's not a position we want to be in, I, I, I'm not saying that he should be in the team every week but he's a squad player, and I think I kind of felt sorry for him with we the sending off. I would have liked him to see him get his, his, uh, his 90 minutes, but um, he keeps himself fit just now and, and and obviously he's still not on the door to be included in those squads. So it's a testament to him. I, I think so as well. I think um, you can debate the merits of, you know, ability and what James is going to bring to the team moving forward but you've got to credit him as a professional he must be doing some good things and the right things in training and he must be setting an example as well to the other guys that he's still ticking along despite the fact that he doesn't get many minutes he's always ready when he gets the call and I think as I say whether he's a player or not is a different question but the fact that he then has to go off is very frustrating and disappointing for him but like the pro is he didn't sulk by the looks of it he just went okay I understand how this goes and he moved on um, you're right to note the Obviously, the two sendings off. It's a tough old game out in Rotterdam. It was a, a tough fixture all round for a few reasons. And the fact that Langer Bielka and Thiago Home got their reds, mm-hmm. you know, there's still a lot of game to be played out there. The nine boys that fought on uh, on Tuesday night, that'll have taken its toll. You've got the travelling as well. And it's the earlier kickoff. It's, it's an unappealing ground. I suppose the big plus is that it was jam packed with Celtic fans. And, and that'll have certainly given the boys a lift there. Eh? Uh, definitely. I think like, like what you said, coming from that game the other night, and you could definitely see the the sense of, like, obviously, I think they would have been deflated after Tuesday, and rightly so, but there was still something in that game for me that stood out, was the fact that they didn't they didn't drop the ball at 2-0. Uh, you guys mentioned it in the, the post-match show, it could have been 3-4 or 5-0 easily, easily. When you get down to nine men, you just fall apart, but... 
they dug in because I think that they know that they could get something against Feyenoord at Celtic Park, 100%. So I think they put everything into those, uh, the remaining minutes of, those eight, the, of that game. And I think that today, yeah, they maybe were a bit leggy in the first five, just kind of gauging what they were up, coming up against. But then just the class out, John, uh, today. And I think that, no disrespect to, to Livingston, I just think we were a stronger, far more organised team than what they were today. And um, it, was, uh, it was a comfortable victory in the end. I didn't feel threatened at any point. It, it certainly was in the end. And I think we'll get to the manager in due course, but I think credit goes to him for how he adjusted uh, when he when you get down to 10 men and how we approach the game. As you say, maybe you know, just found our feet early bills, but it's, it's not long before we get the opening goals, 15 minutes in. It set the tone in terms of Greg Taylor's game. It's a great through ball by him. Uh, and we've seen several more throughout the game. He went on to have a really decent game, which is great to see because he, he has been struggling. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's no dressing that up. He went on mm-hmm. to pick up the man of the match as well. But it's a great through ball. I think it's really naive by the big defender. Um, is it is it De Lucas, his name, something like that? Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't have, it just has to hold up Hatati and then try and, you know, say, right, get by me or do something. Hatati doesn't have to do anything. The guy, Traps him up and it's it's a penalty all day long, isn't it? Oh, it's definitely a penalty. And I think that if you like you say, if, if the guy does his homework, he knows who he's coming up against. I don't see Hitati being the type of player that's going to try and take you on and beat you. Um I think that it was it was a bit rash in that sense. Um but that's why that's why he's he's not playing at Celtic or anything like that. Do, do, do you know what I mean? I think that's that's the guy's level and I think it's a it's a cheap, cheap penalty to give away. You could, you could see we Martindale was raging about it after the game as well. I, I think he's angry about giving such a soft penalty away. Um, yeah, because like you say, it's not a, it's not a threatening area in terms of he's going to get a shot away. It's just, I don't know, it's lazy yeah. almost. Hey, but you know, Hattie found himself in a good area high up the park, but he had work to do, and and Delicus just made it easy for him. Um, the penalty itself, uh, no hassle for Hattie with execution, clean as you like, back of the net, no problem, eh? <laughs> yeah, I think he'll be he'll be glad of it. And um, again, just a player just now, just is just building himself back up at the moment, uh, fitness wise. Some of the incredible takes on social media about him after that game on Tuesday were wild. Yes, he had a bad game. He stank the place out. However, people calling for David Turnbull to start just because of one bad game when he's been a, probably a, one of our best best players, best top three players in the team for the last two seasons is wild. Um, yeah. seen some incredible posts about him this week. It was uh, mind-boggling. Yeah, definitely. He also, like any player, you need a bit of time, don't you? You can't just come back in from injury and just flick the switch and that's you top form again. You need time to bed in. And he's obviously, you know, coming out of a side in itself, which has ended up being a bit of a team in transition, hasn't it? Yeah. So there's a, there's work to be done by Hattati, absolutely. But he's a serious operator, you know, and he, he's, he's only going to continue to improve as he gets more minutes. And it was good to, you know, get him back. He wasn't, at his brilliant best today. Some good moments, absolutely, and he gets his goal, but he'll continue to improve and, and there's no worries there, is there? I don't think so and I think Brendan Rodgers is managing it pretty well as uh, as time goes on uh, too. I think, obviously, a player of his calibre um, and especially in his second season with the contract not being sorted out in the summer, his head's going to be turned. His agent will be working around the clock to see what he can get his player. We are a stepping stone club for a player like Rio Hidati and I just think that's the, the, the real side of it. Um, but I think Rogers, albeit I know he was injured, but I still think Rogers has just pulled him out the limelight. I think it's pretty clever from him. And he's got that experience. He knows when to work these players and when to kind of say, away you come, get out of this, because you don't you don't need that on your shoulders. 
I think so too. And I think Rodgers is managing the situation nicely. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if within the next week or two weeks we find that Rio Hattati signed a new deal. I believe that the club are doing are having discussions in the background. It's not been quite the right offer first time around, and Hattati's well within his rights to knock back the first offer if it doesn't mm-hmm. meet his expectations. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a good chance that he'll commit. And that means that he'll be rewarded financially in the meantime. And when the time comes to sell, Celtic will get top dollar from him. So no problems there. Good to see him back. Good to see him get the goal. And that'll be good for confidence. And um, there's so much to cut through for the second half. So, you know, we'll, we'll crack on with the, the big talking points. The, the sending off being the next one. So happens around about 28 minutes. A couple of things at play for me, Paddy. Keep to hear your take on it. The line by Skills and Lager Bielka isn't good. They're, they're not in a line. Skills is, I think, try to take the chance and play the guy offside. And when that doesn't work out, you're then racing back to try and get on, you know, back on play. The striker finds himself effectively through on goal. He's taking the touch. And for me, <laughs> you talk about well takes online, so, you know, some folk, I think some folk you, you know have suggested it wasn't a red. It's potentially two reds. He's wiped him out and then some. And, but I do think, as I mentioned at the top of the piece, when you watch the final bounce of the ball before it gets to heart, it just sticks in the turf. It just slows down. If it were to run through like it would in a grass park, Hart might just be heading it out of the park and retreating back to goal. But the way it's played out, he's clattered the guy, straight red, no issues from my side. No, absolutely. And obviously, like yeah, like you say, Dev, I, I do think the park's played its part in it slightly. Um, but then also, that can happen on a grass park as well, just depending on the conditions. I think uh, it's a, just a sign of the age of the goalkeeper as well, to be honest for me. You know, um, I think I've mentioned before, I just, we've, we've rested on Joe Hart last season and, you know, it's not been a good week for him. I know you have views on the free kick and I'm not here to bring that debate away, but I just don't think it's been that strong a week for him. And he'll know that himself um, more than anyone. I think he's a very honest uh, person and gives himself a good assessment after each game. And I think he'll know this is a week to forget. But as a, a club, we should really, really be looking to get to get something in quickly. Um, and, and it's no disrespect to what Hart has given us, but what you don't want is all that good service going out the window. And, and people starting to resent him. I agree. It's a great point because over the piece, you know, if his career at Celtic ended tomorrow, the summary would be he was great for Celtic at a pivotal mm-hmm. time. I hope mm-hmm. he doesn't start downhill. Yeah, I, I've made my views pretty clear during the week and we'll not dwell on that. If anyone wants to dig into previous episodes or social media during the week, they'll see what I thought about Hart and the free kick. Um, but I, I, you know, I respect the various opinions on it and I do think for today, the sending off, the action itself is, is poor and it's clumsy and it's the timing of it. Does he need to come out that fast? You know, does he need to come out at all? There's, there's lots of things at play and I wonder as you start to get to that top end of your career in terms of age stuff, your decision making is not quite as sharp as it might have been. Interesting to know, I didn't know this stat, but you'll have heard that I'm sure watching that it's his first sending off in his whole career after yeah. I think 737 games. Um, so that's quite the stat. He'll have been annoyed at that, but you'll have, also seen the you'll have seen the clip when he was celebrating the goal uh, somewhere in the, the dressing room area. Um, he was delighted, obviously. You know, He'll be frustrated that he had to step out, but delighted for his teammates. Sending yeah. off-wise, um, Celtic's third sending off in 55 minutes was the start. I think it was Hamish from Hale Hale that posted. Third sending off in 55 minutes, having only previously had three sendings off in the previous 79 games. I don't know if it's a pattern, it's just bad luck. And you can question the merits of Lager Bielka sending off and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know, does it show that Celtic are less in control or, or more so that they're maybe just still finding their feet communication-wise and defensively? 
I still think defensively this is the, the area that we, we still need to strengthen and I understand that we're obviously waiting on uh, Nebrotsky and, and Cara Vickers to come back from injury. Um, I think that'll be our starting, starting line-up at the back. Um, no disrespect to Liam Scales and, and Lager Bielke, I think that for Liam Scales it's an incredible opportunity he's got and he's, he's, he's doing well, he's doing well, but there's mistakes and, and they're very evident and at a couple of points today it didn't look as if he knew where to be on the park, um, almost. I think that maybe has been crediting to the poor performances of, of Greg Taylor as well. I really do. I don't think there's a lot of trust in that back line. Um, at this yeah. point, I think they're pushing through as best as they can. I've mentioned before that I do think that it then provides a different game to Callum McGregor because a lot of people are saying that, you know, the ball's coming into McGregor and he's losing it when actually the ball should be into him two or three seconds quicker. And I think that there's a bit of dilly-dallying on the ball by the both centre-halves and they're too slow in releasing it out to a midfield. And by that time, the teams are pressing up against McGregor, O'Reilly, Hattati. And it's a big, yeah. big issue at the moment. You're right, it's a very valid point. And I think um, I think from Scales and Lagerbielka's point of view, they, they were fine today, they were over the piece, mm. they were okay. And mm. I think all they're doing is, I say this quite a lot, particularly about Scales, honest pro, you know, just doing the best he can with the ability he's got. Lagerbielka's still a younger player as well. He's got much to learn. I thought he was keeping it far simpler today. I think he's clearly been told defend first and foremost. Sometimes he just booted out the park, and I was okay with it's, it. You know, especially on that park, guy. You're right. I think yeah. I think that's the, the way to do it. It was it was playing it fairly safe, but yeah, you know, the the, the fact is, Carter Vickers is the main man. Navrotsky probably is the guy that's been signed to play alongside him, and I think these two guys link up the play. You know, they're the first line of Celtic's attack as well. You know, they're obviously defenders first and foremost, but they're the ones that start a lot of attacks. And I think they would get it zipped into Callum McGregor, Greg Taylor and others a bit sharper. Um, the sending off obviously requires a, a change in what we're doing. Really disappointing for James Forrest. That's the end of his afternoon. And it's Scott Bain that comes in, as mentioned. Um, we obviously need to shuffle the pack as well. So Celtic effectively then go 4-3-2. But it's very interesting because your two are Dyson Maeda and Kyogo. And they actually gave a really good out ball for Celtic at different times. They were both high and wide and they worked it to good effect, didn't they? They did, they did. And I think that not having to really change a midfield shape uh, with the, the three in the middle, I thought that that was massive for us. Um, this is a manager that will, will, will tweak it in a, an attacking advantage when you go down to 10 men. I think we can all remember the game at Ibrox when he brings Edward on. Um, I just think that he sees no challenge from these teams. He respects them, but he still thinks that we're better. And I actually thought that our control of the game settled when we went down to 10 men. I really did. Yeah. Um, not Nothing against James Forrest on that, by the way, but I'm just saying that we kind of woke up a little bit almost like, right, we've got a game on our hands here, we need to take control of this. And I tell you what, I, I don't know. I, I listened to David Martindale after the game. I have no idea what he was trying to do with his team. No idea. Um, they were all over the place, and then he took off. Um, he took off one of the, one of the best players. I can't remember the guy's name. Sorry, um, aye, aye. Um, and I just think to myself, like he's he's been causing our backline a bit of hassle. He's been pushing in behind, making it a bit difficult for the likes. Of, like when he was kind of crossing over each wing, making it difficult for Johnson, making it difficult for for um, for Taylor. And he, and he hooked him, and he even said that at the end of the game, I, I think I got my subs wrong, you know, like, I, I don't know what he was trying to do. <laughs> I really don't. It's a puzzling one, isn't it? And you wonder if sometimes he's just trying to be too clever. Like, why bother? He knows what Celtic struggle with there, you know, when they when they do the low block and go to Nubly up top, you know, use the power and the pace and all that kind of stuff. 
Why he change it? He's also, you know, you'll have heard the chat, but he, it looks like he's gone with a diamond in the midfield, which by its nature is very narrow. So you've got yeah. your right and left midfielder are tucked in. Your guy sits at the base midfield and another guy sits at the top to give you that kind of diamond shape. At least really exposed in the wide areas. And I, I wonder if he was thinking, you'll remember, of course, how Celtic played against Barcelona in 2012. We just conceded the wide areas. Right. I wonder if it was part of that and thinking, I'll just do that. And we've got a big centre oh, half to Lucas and Obelai to deal with things. I'm not sure, but it certainly didn't work for him. And Brendan Rodgers is also too smart for that. He sees what's going on and he makes the right calls at the right time. A huge part, Paddy, you mentioned the word control a couple of times um, and you're right to do so because I think by and large they did control a game before and after the sending off, but a huge part of that is the real shining light of the season so far. It's Matt O'Reilly and mm -hmm. I know Greg Taylor picked up man of the match. For me, it had to be O'Reilly because I thought he was exceptional defensively and offensively. I, I have to say, he's, uh, his eagerness to get on the ball, his eagerness to win the ball back. I think it was a couple of games last season against Rangers and it really stood out for me. But just, he's got that trailing, like, you see, he's one of those players when you think you're away from someone and his toe just comes out of nowhere and takes it for you. I think he's got those, like, hyper-extended legs <laughs> and he just seems to just nick the ball at all times. Brilliant to have in our team. Um, and... Yeah. I'm glad to see this uh, this next level starting to show from Matt O'Reilly. Um, I was worried last season. I was uh, worried at the end of the first season about him and what we were going to get from him. To start adding goals to your game um, and, and still get stronger and stronger in the middle of the park, I tell you something, not a lot of midfielders will want to come up and face against him. I really don't think so. I think he's everywhere. It's, I think it's a great point you make about next level because I know you had your concerns last year and and you know pretty valid at times, but there's no doubt he's kicked on and, and he's at an age where you would hope he would kick on. And, and all the young players at Celtic, you know, they've got whether you're 20, 21, 22, if you're Thiago Home, if you're Lager Bielka, if you're Matt O'Reilly, these guys are at that level where they, they are and, and should be improving. But he's definitely playing with a different swagger. Under the new manager, he, he seems to be, he, he's found his feet. Listen, he was great for us under Ange. There was no problems as such, but you knew there was more to come. And now Brendan Rodgers, for whatever he's doing behind the scenes, he's getting that. And to have a goal-scoring midfielder who can also do the, the track and back stuff, he's effectively become the box-to-box -box guy that maybe we've been missing. And it's it's great to see, and he's, he's clearly full of confidence. We could have got another couple of goals had the finishing been better. You know, a couple yeah. of assists, he put one on and a really good position for O, for example. But just across the piece, he's been great. And I think I think Callum McGregor is having a bit of a dip just now, but Matt O'Reilly's bailing him out. And that's maybe how it goes. You know, you'll, you'll spell each other. You know, Callum McGregor will be a mainstay as the captain, and that, that's fine. That's part of it. But Matt O'Reilly's doing, doing the work in there, and he's certainly uh, he's standing out above all other midfielders at the moment. What seems to be the big thing for me as well, Tino, and I, I totally agree with you on that, um, big thing for me at the moment seems to be that we brought in uh, Odin Thiago home and we, we gen I, well, I've said to you, I think you agree with me that I see something in this guy. I really do. I think, don't think he's been brought in as a project. I think that he's pushing. I really do think uh, he'll be someone keeping Matt O'Reilly and Rio Hattati on their toes. But it's also very interesting to see a bit of a, a, a reprieve for um, Tomoki Iwata. I think yes. that it's another guy that seems to be maybe stepping up a bit in training and realising, you know, getting fitter and realising, hang on a minute, I've got a chance to come in here. I thought he looked very tidy when he came on today as well. I completely agree. It was one I was wanting to highlight with you. So he came on in the hour mark for Rio Hitati. Hitati had run his race and that's fine. And it's clear that Rogers is managing Hitati in a certain way. 
Yeah. And a uh, time in the game where you just wanted to maintain that control, it's 2-0 at the time. Awata came on and just really showed things up. And I was pleased for him because he's a guy who's had to be patient, mm-hmm. wait in the wings. Maybe he's questioning his move to Glasgow, but he's come in there and there's a job to be done to see that game out and, and he's really played his part. Um, before we get to that, of course, I've, I've kind of fast-forwarded a wee bit. We get to halftime where, you know, we're 1-0 and we're, we're looking comfortable for it. You know, we've kind of played out the, the last 15 of the second half plus the, the added time. But then it is that goal from Matt O'Reilly. <laughs> you need to question, you must question the madness of Maeda. Um, I tweeted just after, what an assist from Dyson Maeda. But you and I spoke briefly. That man's an international footballer who's played and scored at a World Cup. And the ball comes across the goal, what, two yards out? And I, has it gone back the way off? I don't know what's happened. He's um, trying to control it outside his right foot. <laughs> utter madness. It right. does break to O'Reilly, who's doing what all good midfielders do in terms of falling up, and he, he tucks it away. But Maeda, geez. And then he goes and does what he does at the end, and we'll get to that. But what a boy. What, what a boy. As I said to you before, I, he's, he's, he's mind-boggling. He's, <laughs> he's just so unpredictable. But then again, do you want to play against that? <laughs> I don't think you do. Like I, don't, I generally don't think you know how to contain someone like that. But also, you know, I don't think he knows how to contain himself. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is the whole thing. He's unpredictable because we don't know, our, our defenders don't know what he's going to do because he doesn't know himself, and, that, and that's part of it. I was going to question, uh, towards the end of the game, you know, you're watching it play out, and, and he missed a decent chance. Kyogo put him through, didn't he? And he could have lifted yeah. it over the goalie. And I was going to question if Dyson Maeda is actually, in real life, just a defender who happens to play higher up the park. You know, just the way he approaches things. He's so good defensively. And then he goes and does what he does at the end, and you're thinking... I just I can't work you out. You know the the goal is the goal. It's he runs into space. He's got all the energy. It's ninety odd minutes. Yeah. It is a Cruyff turn, and then with his weaker left foot, curls it higher at the top of the net. It's, a, it's an amazing goal. I it by the way. Not like I know you're saying curling, I definitely. But some power behind it too. Just that uh, the keeper doesn't move. He's like I can't stop that. <laughs> it's a a tremendous goal, um, and just well deserved. I I, I like. As much as obviously it can be so so frustrating at times, you know, I really can. But also, I think he does give us so much as well. I really do. I think he's more yeah. suited in the left. I could see a lot of frustration from uh, Alistair Johnston with him on Tuesday night. Um, one other, one other person for me who I thought he was very clever today, Johnston. Every single like Livingston's point against us is they've got tall players that can knock the ball down. Alistair Johnson got close to every single player when a long ball was played. Now, he might have gave a foul away the odd time, but nine times out of ten, he was the one getting the free kick for us. And I just thought it was very, very clever play from him. I thought he was brilliant today. I thought good. So, listen, the, the way this the, this recording's worked out, we've gone a bit topsy-turvy, and that's fine. No, so, we've got goals at different times. But you've reminded me of a point that I really do want to bring up, and it, and it uh, concerns Alistair Johnson. It's the one where a guy comes in, studs up on Matt O'Reilly, you know, maybe kind of 20 minutes into the half. Uh, no foul, nothing to see here. It then breaks out. Johnson then goes in equally competitively, you know, if, if you want to word it like that. Doesn't make any contact, uh, but they, they see fit to give him a yellow card. So he's your fullback, and he's quite an aggressive, you know, um, type of player. So he's now walking the tightrope for as part of an hour or longer, and it's a, a nonsense yellow card. But the other one beyond that, is the Liam Scales yellow card? At first, it looked like he'd flashed the card that McGregor done to, but it's Liam Scales that gets booked for coming out of the you know, defence and approaching the guy. And the guy manages to get out of his feet, and there's no contact, no issue with Liam Scales. The guy gets his pass away, and it's all fine, and he pulls it back for a yellow. And for me, Celtic have picked up two yellows 
really, really needlessly. Somebody tweeted it, and I, I've either retweeted it or liked it, but I'll share it. But it's, I just think it's, and this is why VAR is there, right? But, you know, or, or in fact, am I wrong? VAR can overturn yellows, can it? Well, yellows, no. So maybe I'm no. wrong there. Uh, but over so, the course of the season, you know, over the course yeah. of the season, that can have an effect. Well, Alistair Johnson's going to pick up yellow cards because it's how he plays. He'll end up getting suspended for a key game. And that's a frustration for me because, and VAR in general, if it's not there to deal with things and make, you know, refs get better decisions or get more decisions right than wrong, then maybe it's flawed. But I was just so frustrated by those two bookings. Ended up beating, ended up card happy. I think he flashed about seven or eight yellows and, and obviously the red as well. And it wasn't a particularly, you know, aggressive game. It wasn't a dirty game by any stretch, but I was just really annoyed the two yellows that our guys picked up. I can know. I think uh, the look in his face said it all when uh, Maeda was standing next to him after the third goal. We could see a uh, slow mo of it, and he was just, just deflated. It was brilliant. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't catch that particular moment. I'll, I'll now rewind and look out for it though. So. Um, in terms of you know the, the rest of the game plays out, and you've used that word, Celtic were in control, and it looked like we'd finish. 2-0 and Maeda's put the icing on the cake with that third goal, that, that brilliant finish. But we just were in control. And as I said, Brendan Rodgers has just been very savvy. He's got his substitution spot on. He's got his shape spot on. And Celtic have saw what, what could have been a very Livingston kind of day, couldn't it? When the sending off happens, you're thinking, are we going to be in trouble here? Could it be just, you know, drop points again at this ground? But Celtic have now gone there, I believe, and won three on the bounce. So they've, they've got the measure there between Ange and Brendan Rodgers today. And let's look at Brendan Rodgers, you know, how do you think he'll be feeling? It's just a, it's another step in the right direction, you know, as part of his return to Celtic Park. Yeah, I think obviously we 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 seen the the difference in the level of of, of his his knowledge against uh, against Beale Ibrox in terms of how he set us up and how he wanted us to play, and effectively shut them down in the second half as well. I thought we were very very clever at Ibrox with that. His, uh, his thinking is, is obviously he, he doesn't want just a one set game plan. He's wanting two or three different options. And I loved, I thought it was very key. And I know most teams do this, but I thought it was very key when they said, oh, but we get out of 10 men, we prepare for this. And and they, they looked so, so organised. Um, and, and so they should be, absolutely. But what I just start to see now is that people are buying into him again in terms of the playing staff. And obviously, I think he's starting to feel the rub of that at the moment, coming out, celebrating with the fans at the end, and rightly so. Uh, and as you mentioned on Twitter, he got his uh, he got his VPR moment with the, the wee guy, with the security guard. My only issue is, is that the, does everyone start doing that now? Will you be on the part next week? <laughs> Brendan, they've got me. They've got me in the cuffs. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to explain that one for anyone who who never seen it. So a wee fellas broke over the barriers and ran towards uh, Brendan Rodgers. The security have, have been over the top. They've, I think, they've tried to rugby tackle the wee guy. And Brendan Rodgers has made a beeline for him, got the got the guys off him, and he's then put his arm around the wee fella and walked him back to a an adoring fan base. The crowd's gone wild, haven't they, Paddy? And I tweeted, I was I was being facetious, but I tweeted that it's been a, a masterclass PR move by Brendan and the club that they've hired in a young actor to to, to go and make that move to, to the one over <laughs> the fans. But, would you be surprised? <laughs> Honestly, I just, I just love. Him. He's an egomaniac, and I absolutely love him. I really do. But it was, a, it was a good moment. It was well received, and rightfully so. And he's not always gone out to the fans. I don't think you know in in the game since he's returned. And there's been some mixed responses. You know, after the St. Johnson game, and you know, fans weren't too happy that time. But I think they're getting on board. And what I do like to see is the the interaction between him and the players. He's got a really good thing going on with Dyson Maeda. 
you know, various other guys seem really kind of pleased to, to be around him and to be playing for him. And I think you're right. You know, he's he's had a few big jobs to do. The first big job, I think, is to win over the fans. But to do so, he has to win over his players and get the belief and the confidence and the trust of them. And I think he's got it, Paddy. And I think it's it's only going to improve, isn't it? It really is. When we get these players back, I'm telling you, um, as you guys kind of rightly said on Tuesday, I don't think we we weren't like uh, that wasn't a, a drubbing. It wasn't as if we weren't matching what we were up against. I generally think we could definitely take the three points against them at, at Celtic Park. I've seen bits of Lazio and Atletico Madrid. I think uh, both will be difficult games at home as well. I think very organised setups at both both uh, at both teams. And such a very tight game between the two of them as well. Brilliant goal for the goalkeeper. But um, we've just got to believe, we've got to hope that we we can kind of just go on a bit of a run and, and remain injury-free for a time as well. I know obviously a bad is out long-term, same in the Rewotsky, but I just think that we need a bit of, a bit of like I say, the rubber the green. Um, but definitely with the players that we have now and the work that they're putting in, you're definitely starting to see that cohesion. You really are. And it's, it's brilliant and it's going to come at the right time. Because I genuinely think we could start to pull away. This is going to be a really difficult run for us in the next eight to nine weeks. And I just think if we keep the head down and we keep getting players back, I, I do think we'll pull away a few points in the league as well. I really do. Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, after we've got the free week this week, it's League Cup stuff, isn't it? And that doesn't concern us anymore. So that's, that. that's <laughs> it. But beyond that, I think it's then, you know, two games a week for the most part. Just in terms of the general position. So I mentioned at the top of the piece. So, so we're now... Five clear at the top of the table, at least for now. St Martin go and play Hearts, don't they? And, and that's a yeah. tough game for them. But five clear at the moment and seven clear at Rangers. Uh, and we'll see what they end up doing tomorrow. Um, but you say we've got a tough run of fixtures ahead, and, and I agree. But also what people definitely should and will be appreciating is we've now got the Aberdeen Rangers and Livy across the first six games and get maximum points. And that's good going. Yes, there was frustration at dropping points at Homey St Johnson, but to come out with nine from nine from those games is really strong. The other stat I'd like to throw at you, Paddy, um, is that both our goalies get clean sheets today, yet there's still some sort of concern over them. What's the what's the big worry? Technically, um, a card just takes away the clean sheet, so Joe Hart doesn't. <laughs> I have to say, um, I have to say, I mentioned it as well that Scott Bain doesn't play a lot of games for for Celtic. He's he's there very much as a backup. So when he does come on, he needs to cut the nonsense. See, the one where he, he nearly get, you know, his pocket picked by Nubly, it was almost, I mean, he's a big character and he was yards away from him and it's like he just didn't see him. He's wearing a bright yellow top, for goodness sake. And he, he just, he was all at sea. And then there was the other one where him and Lagerbielka seemed to have a miscommunication. I don't know. But as a concerning position, in all seriousness, um, we've touched on Joe Hart and this will likely, very likely, be his last season at Celtic, but the backup is very concerning and there's definitely work to be done there recruitment-wise, potentially for a new number one and a number two. I think that he must have been to try and get rid of Seagrist in the summer and it's not it's not happened. Um, and then you've just put Scott Bain on it, a new contract. Um, one of these goalkeepers need to go. One of them need to go in order for us to bring someone in. Um, and I think that's the bottom line of it. We're not going to have four men's like top, like like main main team goalkeepers, we're not going to do that. Um, I say back in February, uh, I would be surprised if Scott Bain ever played for Celtic again, and he's played twice this year. And I'm just it baffles me, like you say, it's him coming on for Forest. Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody questioned uh, his. It's a four year daily signed, I think, in the summer. Somebody's four. Aye, aye. questioned the. Uh, 
the, the thinking behind that. But I do think a huge part is the homegrown player thing for Champions yeah. League. He, he's been named as our backup goalie as opposed to Segrist, who's not in the picture at all. So, but I just think overall, Celtic haven't uh, managed the, the goalkeeping situation. We won't cover it just now, but left-backs, a situation that still needs cover, despite Greg yeah. being good today. But, you know, there's, there's yeah. other stuff going on there. Um, but I don't want to dwell on anything negative. I do think over the piece... As a team, as a unit, players and manager and fans, you know, big fan base there today as well. Celtic done the job uh, at a place where it's it's been traditionally quite difficult, quite sticky, quite frustrating. And listen, it won't be the best advert for Scottish football. There was some scrappy stuff at times. But Celtic done what they had to do, didn't they, Paddy? And, and they got a, a huge three points and they'll be feeling good about themselves tonight. It's embarrassing that we're still playing football in the parks. That's all I would say. And I think that that is not a great advert for our league at all. Um, I understand the cost of it, but... You know, there's there's no there's no need for it in the top top flight of Scottish football. Um, we were very very well, like in control of this game today. Very well drilled at what we needed to do. And as I said, I definitely think we switched on a lot more when we were down to ten men. Yeah, um, but your final thoughts. Obviously, we've kind of covered a lot, and there's much more we can get into. It's, it's actually been quite a quick recording. There's been so much. Uh, to discuss. But your final thoughts. We've now got midweek off, as I've mentioned. We've got Motherwell next weekend. Uh, another. Tough challenge there for a good start to the season, but it's, it's definitely one to look forward to. But your final thoughts on Livingston today? Just really looking forward to the next game. I just want to keep seeing how these uh, how these games go, how the team keeps developing. And I'm interested to see who starts knocking on the door now. I really want to see a lot of these guys getting pressed because I think that obviously that competition is only good for our best players because they know that they could, they could be one bad performance away from being dropped. Um, the competition is healthy. Um, and like I say, I think that once we, we do get that settled backline sorted, um, I'm, I'm fairly confident with this league. I really am. But I'm in, intrigued to see what we can do in Europe. I really am. Yeah, there's going to be some really interesting times ahead. And as we start to get more guys, well, guys back from injury and new guys bedded in. You know, we've barely seen Bernardo. We've not seen much of Lewis Palman. You know, nothing from them today or Thiago Holmes. So there's lots to happen. Quan, geez, I forgot about Quan. The inevitable return of Mikey Johnson. Loads going on, Paddy. Uh, loads of stuff to discuss. But all in all, good day for Celtic today. I had the potential to be one of those days. It always does against Livingston. But 10-man Celtic showed all our quality and our character to get the all-important win. We'll be back, as always, on Monday with the Celtic Exchange Weekly. But in the meantime, for myself and Paddy, thanks for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the weekend. <laughs>